Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Well, hi, everybody. Welcome back. It is good to be with you again. Had a, a little week off there to get some time once the season seemed to finally be over. But uh, we got a Super Bowl in the books and uh, four or five days under our belt, and we're getting ready to go to the Combine. So the NFL offseason came and went, and you didn't even know it. We just missed you for a week. Welcome back to our uh, ShawLocal.com Bears Insider podcast. I am Hub Arkish, along with our Shaw Media Group sports editor, Kyle Na- Kyle Neighbors, and of course, our Chicago Bears insider beat reporter, Sean Hammond. And guys, it's good to see you again this morning. For anyone uh, who wonders, uh, who's listening to our podcast, how I can see them, we do this uh, every Friday morning, unless we notify you otherwise, at 9.30 Chicago time. And we do it via StreamYard, so it is a Live, both video and audio broadcast. All you have to do to join us, if you want, is go to uh, StreamYard. You can go to YouTube, or you can go to our Twitter handles. You can go to at KyleNeighbors.com, at Sean underscore Hammond, at Hub underscore Arkish. You can get into the podcast and participate anytime you want. Again, it's every Friday morning at 9.30 Chicago time. And uh, if not, if you prefer to just listen to the podcast, that's great. But uh, uh, then we just suggest either go to iTunes or the App Store on your phone or shawlocal.com and download so you have a subscription. It comes to you automatically every week. And uh, anytime we're not going to be here Friday mornings at 930, we will let you know. So, uh, guys, uh, a lot and, and, and not a lot has happened, at least not a lot that's easy to report on in the few weeks now since things have settled down. But not only is Ryan Poles the new general manager of the Chicago Bears, of course, Matt Eberflus, the new head coach, they now have a full coaching staff in place, most of that new since the last time we talked. And so, uh, Sean, I guess we'll start with you. Any general thoughts, observations about how they put this staff together and what it looks like? Well, it, it seems to me like there's a lot of young, hungry coaches, and I think that can be a good thing. You know, we we don't have as many, um, you know, lifers, if you will, or, or guys who have been doing this for, for several decades. And, and I think if you look at, um, you know, coaching staffs around the league, there's a lot of teams that have been able to, to put together really good coaching staffs with with that that formula. And, and you look at the Bengals and, and a lot of those coaches, you know, haven't hadn't, I should say, done it on, on the big stage until really uh, uh, recently. And, and I think that's a good thing for the Bears. You know, they got some position coaches who are really ready to to prove themselves. You know, Kyle, I, I, it's an interesting mix. There's no question about that. Actually, the defensive staff is practically uh, Eberflus's entire staff from Indianapolis, guys who have been around for a while, although they're kind of more middle-aged than lifers, as, as Sean points out. I mean, one of the problems I had with Matt Nagy's staff is, is a few of the people he brought in were just guys that he was comfortable with. Uh, but maybe we're on the backside of the coaching hill. In this case, these are guys 
you know, still climbing uh, along with Eberflus. And on the other hand, on the offense, he went for one of those young guns we talked about, Luke Getze, and Getze has clearly put together his own staff. Andrew Janoko, the quarterback coach, uh, early 30s guys. Uh, you, you know, you look at Chris Morgan, not young, uh, but certainly, you know, young middle age by NFL Sanders, the offensive line coach. On the other hand, uh, you get a guy like Tyke Tolbert, who is a, a career guy and one of the more highly respected uh, wide receiver coaches in the league. He'll be the passing game coordinator as well. And Richard Hightower, a guy who was here with us in 2000. 2016 as an assistant to Chris Tabor, had five pretty good years in San Francisco and probably had the most impressive performance in the playoffs of any special teams coach we can remember. Uh, you know, pretty much won the, well, he didn't, but his special teams won the game over the Packers uh, for the 49ers. So I guess you can feel kind of good about that one going in. Yeah, I, I think you should feel pretty confident about the the defensive staff um, that, that Matt Eberflus has. Um, put together here it, you know it's it's a solid team uh, a, a solid roster of coaches um, that you know you should feel pretty familiar with if you've seen the indie defense the last couple of years um, on the offensive side it's a bit more of a question mark right you know we're not quite sure what things are going to look like under Luke Getze um, you know Tyke Tolbert I did like that higher um, you know we just started the report card series uh, looking back at the the 2021 season you know kind of where the Bears begin this offseason hub uh your wide receiver profile uh posted last evening as you said i mean it was it was a, disa- a disaster in, in 2021 for the bears and you come into this offseason with pretty much darnell mooney as your only established receiver on this roster so um they're going to need to rebuild this receiving corps uh throughout the offseason whether that's via free agency or the draft probably both um i think you said that the you know you'd be surprised if they didn't spend a second or a third round pick on a wide receiver so uh, having someone like Tyke Tolbert in the building makes me feel a little bit more confident that they're going to be able to get that position rolling uh, a little bit quicker. You know, Sean, uh, it's, it's a good place to start as we get ready for the offseason because it's one of the strangest situations I can remember seeing in a lot of years of doing this. Other than Darnell Mooney, the only three wide receivers currently under contract to the Chicago Bears are Daz Newsom, one of last year's six-round picks, Simba Webster, a special teams guy who was brought over from the 49ers, I believe, last year with a lot of return experience, basically no receiver experience. And then Isaiah Coulter, who's been on a couple practice squads and is an interesting prospect. The only NFL receiver on the roster right now is Darnell Mooney. And and so to think that they're not going to have to try and approach it both through free agency and the draft, I don't know what else they do. Yeah, you you have to take that, that, uh, you know, approach i think to this situation you you just don't have the bodies and and you know i think you're right kyle they need to look for some veteran experience in free agency and and they also need to address it in the draft because uh you know you need so many guys at that position and they've had a really um you know they had a lot of veterans last year and and they've had alan robinson for several years who's who's been that guy that they can lean on or at least up until this year and it's hard to see them uh replacing that production and, and it's going to take a lot of work to do that you know guys i i kyle come back to you i i guess part of my concern is even in newsome webster and coulter because of the lack of production and injuries last year they got on the field you know these are not guys who, who and and i just you know there's nothing to suggest i mean maybe newsome with more opportunities he was a rookie um, but you need at least five guys who can catch passes in the NFL. A lot of teams have six. And so, you know, we can't understate the size of this job, you know, putting this, this, this group back together. And it's not by any means the only thing the team needs to do to be competitive, but you can't even have the conversation. And, you know, what is it connected to? Obviously, the main focus of this organization for the last 12 months, good, bad, or indifferent, is developing Justin Fields, you know, finding finally your franchise court. Well, if you don't give him NFL targets, you know, it's going to be hard for him, regardless of who the coaching staff or what the offense is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we, I mean, we've talked about this a little bit before that the bears are in pretty decent cap shape. Um, but you know, they're not going to be able to tie up a, a, a ton of money in at wide receiver because they do have other positions they really need to address. Um, and you look at the free agent pool, it's a really deep pool, luckily. Like, you don't have to score on Devontae Adams or even uh, who's another couple of uh, big names that I'm, I'm like, well, uh, Mike Williams, I Mike, think, would look great Williams. in a Bears yeah. uniform. Certainly, Christian Kirk is a guy that a lot of people have their eyes on. I know 
you know, Sammy Watkins is is he a one or a one and a half? Uh, you know, we don't really know. Uh, you, you've got uh, the kid, uh, um, Will Fuller. You know, who seems to have number one talent but has never shown it. I mean, there's all kinds. Well, he of ways shows to, it. He shows it, but then he yeah. pulls a hamstring after two yeah. weeks of it and doesn't come back for another six weeks. Yeah, I'll give you another one that's interesting, guys. Is I'm sure the Saints would consider trading Michael Thomas at this. Yeah, point. And, and now you're talking about you know, went healthy and with his head on straight, a top three, top five receiver in the league. So there's options out there, you know, but but how they're going to do it. And that's what not all of them will break the bank either. You're going to probably be able to get two of those mid-tier guys if you really want to and then add a third guy in the draft. Um, so I, I expect to see, yeah, multiple recognizable names in here this offseason. You know, Sean, also the problem is a little bigger than we've even identified because – you move over to tight end. The only tight ends under contract right now are Cole Komet and Jesper Horstead. As much as I'd love to see Jesper Horstead become an NFL tight end, he obviously is a specialty guy, a U-type guy, a move guy who maybe is always going to be a tweener. Um, I can't imagine – I'd have no problem with it, but I can't imagine Jimmy Graham is coming back. I can't imagine I, – you know, I guess Jesse James could be back, and, and that would be fine. Um, you know, J.P. Holtz is, is, is a three or a four at best, so – you know, fortunately, David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert are good pass catchers, but but it's the entire receiving core. And, you know, I think the problems for Fields were really threefold. You know, one was obviously that he wasn't ready. Two was the coaching staff and the offense. But three was was the lack of dependable targets, you know. And, and, and then we come full circle to Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson has indicated, you know, as much as you can take out of social media and tweets, several times since the end of the season he loves chicago you know he, he, he's he, he's trying to suggest either he's covering his behind so he's not the bad guy when he leaves or he genuinely would still be open to reasonable negotiations the problem now is what are reasonable negotiations after the season that they had last year and so that's why it's so hard to see robinson coming back and you have to ask the question I and mean, some of it was clearly you know, the poor quarterback play. Some of it was the offense and the adjustments they made because it was obvious to me in training camp they were trying to target Mooney more and Robinson less. And some of it was, you know, the, the hamstring and the COVID. But was any of it – has Robinson lost a step? I mean, I mean, at 28, between his 27 and 28-year-old year, you wouldn't expect that for any reason. We didn't see signs of it in the preseason. But you can't eliminate that possibility either based on the way the season went. No, and that's why these – uh, you know, I'd love to be a fly on the wall in those negotiations with with Allen Robinson and, and his agent and what exactly they're trying to get this offseason. Because, yeah, this season did not go to plan, go to the plan for him. And and certainly he wanted to put together another thousand yard season or something like that to to put that on his resume and, and hopefully, you know, make make a lot of money this offseason. And uh, it'll be fun to watch how that turns out and, and how those all those discussions are going on. You know, was it the offense? Was it? Allen was it the quarterback you know there's there's all those those different discussions and uh hub you mentioned the tight ends too and and I'm writing up our, our position uh look at the tight ends today and yeah I mean it's Cole Komet and and there's really not a whole lot else coming back and uh we saw flashes of of that Justin Fields and Cole Komet connection in in some games and, and they looked good together they looked on the same page that Pittsburgh game stands out there's a couple other ones in there um, but but they're going to need more bodies there too, and and I don't know that they can, you know, I I would be surprised if Jimmy Graham comes back, especially with with what he's going to cost you and what he he, you know, realistically produced for you last year, and um, I don't know how much money they're going to want to spend on that position, but they need they need more bodies because y- you can't rely solely on Cole Komet uh, just because you know what if he gets hurt and you're left with nothing. I want to bring in a, a question from Thomas Klein here. Oh, uh, since we're talking Allen Robinson, if that's okay, Hub. Yeah, I, I, I've noticed Tom's question up there, and it is interesting. Um, uh, I yeah. know I, I can – there we go. Uh, we we now have two reports of Nagy skipping meetings with players, Mitch and Robinson. What do you make of this? Have you heard anything from your sources that would explain it? Um, I, you know, honestly, I haven't done any work on it because it's old news. Uh, you know, at this point, you know, Matt is gone, Mitch is gone, and, and we assume A-Rod may be gone. You know, and, and Tom, I understand why you asked the question. Um, I, I think it's, it's great that you put it the way you do. We have reports of these things. This is the after the fact cleanup. This is guys getting things 
from players, coaches, people inside, most of whom are gone or worried that they may not be staying. People have access to grant. I don't know, you know, to be honest with you. Uh, you, you can get into a situation when an alleged meeting was missed that you could hear the explanation from both Matt and Mitch and both could sound reasonable. It could be that Matt just blew him off and was wrong. Uh, it could be that Mitch missed. I, I don't know is the honest answer to your question. Okay. Um, and, and as far as the report of him missing a meeting with A-Rob, I have to be honest because I pay so little attention to some of this stuff. I wasn't even aware of that one, you know, and, and uh, I, I do know, that Alan Robinson could not have carried himself any better because he's as classy a guy as you'll find in the NFL. And uh, while I think that we do now have questions being raised about what was really going on with Matt Nagy, and those are fair questions if you want to go backwards and try and figure it out, um, why he would have soured on Alan Robinson. I mean, you know, geez, Sean, this is a guy coming on back to back, you know, 100 catch, 11, you know, 100, 1200 yard seasons. It, it just doesn't make any sense. I, I, I know the negotiations were not pleasant at times. And, and I, I can just tell you from a neutral perspective, knowing what the final offers on the table were from really reliable sources and knowing that the Bears were a lot closer to reality than Robinson and his agent, you know, maybe that aggravated Matt, but but I don't know that Nagy was ever even aware of the, the negotiating part of it. I, I know he wasn't involved in any way. I, they wouldn't have come to him to ask him if they could spend an extra half million. So, Tom, I, I'm not saying it's nothing. I just I can't give you a good answer. I don't know, Sean, you might have a different perspective on that. Well, I do know that the the Allen Robinson, I, I believe it, the story was, and this came from A-Rob. He was on um, Steve Smith's podcast a couple of weeks ago or maybe a week ago um, and, and told the story that between the end of the 2020 season when they lost to the Saints in the playoffs, he didn't hear from Matt Nagy for five months until – you know, OTAs or, or whatever it was. And um, so, so it came from a Rob. So from, from that perspective, you know, I, I'm inclined to believe him, you know, that he says that, but um, it, it was actually, I don't know if you go back and listen to that conversation, it was really interesting because Steve Smith was, was kind of grilling a Rob a little bit and saying, well, well, why didn't you pick up the phone and call him? And, and they had a, a little back and forth about, about that and and how these relationships between a coach and a player should go and 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 maybe how Allen could have handled it better too and um, as far as you know the Mitch thing I I don't know a whole lot about that either um, certainly these situations you know we know Matt Nagy could have handled some of these situations better and and there's a reason he's no longer the coach now um, so from that perspective I, I'm kind of with you I mean I think it's it's in the past now we're, we're moving forward with, with these new, you know, all, all three of those guys are, are gone at this point, or, you know, Alan's probably gone too. And um, I don't know that there's a lot, I don't know that we need to dig into it per se. Yeah. Tom and, and, and Kyle, I mean, to my point, Tom, as Kyle just said, now you asked the question, a report about, you know, Matt missing a meeting with Robinson. And, and yet if that's the report that Sean's referring to, there was no meeting and they just didn't have one which is different from missing a meeting. So that's why, you know, Kyle, when we start to dig into this stuff, if they were still here, then I'd be a lot more concerned about it. But we know that Matt Nagy isn't. And, and, and you know, we, I mean, I hope Alan Robinson is back. I love the guy. And I think he's a really good receiver. I'm just hard pressed. And particularly with the shape the Bears are in right now. I mean, here's what's going to happen with A-Rob. He's going to have to sign a one-year prove-it deal with somebody. And it's not going to be anywhere near the $18 million he got last year, which made him the third highest paid receiver in the league. You know, that's fair or unfair. You know, it doesn't matter. That's not what this is about. And, um, you know, Bears, desperate at the position, maybe they get a bargain that way. And maybe they do take a chance. We've got to get to know Ryan Poles a little bit better before we have any sense if if that's even a consideration. I, there, there's just no way to know that yet. I mean, Alan Robinson put on a good place or a good face publicly throughout last season when it came to the negotiations. Um, I think it was pretty clear uh, that behind the scenes, he was pretty upset with, with the way those negotiations were handled, whether it, it was justifiable or not. The thing that we're never going to know, and we're just going to see finger pointing at this point, which is why you guys talk about not really worth digging into, um, is if it affected his on-field play or, you know, uh, that's what we don't know for sure. And we've seen both sides through the media kind of, I wouldn't, it's not as much as I wouldn't go as far as to sling mud, but they're definitely pu uh, pushing their angle uh, a little bit. So it's, it's kind of hard to parse. 
Yeah, and and it, it doesn't you know serve any purpose for the Bears unless again there is a chance that A. Rob would come back. Yeah, I mean, really, um, that, that's yeah. the only that was you know if if it was worse than than we've been led to believe on Allen Robinson's part, that would be something that would keep the Bears from wanting to pursue him, uh, bringing him back here, which we'll, we'll probably never know. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, as far as the time he missed, the, the three weeks with a hamstring is, is not excessive at all and you could see the second he went down on that catch in Pittsburgh that he came up grabbing that hamstring and limped off the field uh then he got COVID and 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 he was vaccinated you know so I mean I don't know how they could have issues with any of that um but you know again we don't know everything that was going on behind the scenes so it becomes a lot tougher to comment on I I do know uh kind of getting back though to, to what we were talking about is in order to have a passing game and in order to develop a quarterback, you got to give them basically eight targets. I mean, you got to have five receivers and three tight ends that you trust. And right now the Chicago bears have two, you know, <laughs> I mean, you, you've got Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet um, and Darnell Mooney, who is a tremendous player for being a fifth round draft choice out of Tulane and is coming off a really good year is a number two, make no mistake about it. He still has issues with drops um he's undersized he's not going to win a lot of contested balls for he's a great route runner and and the the really you know puzzling thing to me about mooney guys is that we know he's got you know sub four four speed four three seven i think is the reason they drafted him we've never seen him able to really take advantage of that speed you know i mean now again some of it may have been the, the quarterback play but how often do we see him trying to take the top off the defense and them connecting when he does no, the play that stands out to me more is that that screen pass that went for I don't know seventy yards or, or something like that. I, I forget which game that was. That was at Soldier Field. But but you're right, Hub. You know we we don't see that that uh, you know those deep shots as much. You know, guys, you talk about functional football speed, and and Marquise Goodwin may be the fastest guy in the league. If not, he's top three or top four. And yet you look over his career, he's never not only never become a great receiver, he's never become a consistent deep threat. He had the one year in, in San Francisco where he caught 55 balls almost for 1,000 yards, averaged 19 per catch. Um, but even here in Chicago, I mean, you know, the one time that he appeared to run away from everybody was on what we thought was the winning touchdown against the Ravens until Baltimore went right back down the field. But that was on a blown coverage, you know, where he was 10 yards behind the corner who, who, who thought he had help inside apparently and didn't. So, um, uh, you know, I love Darnell Mooney. I think it's great that you have a solid number two. But, but what complicates this, this pursuit a little bit is that you got to find a one. Those guys are hard to come by and expensive. And if you don't have a better three or four, you still don't have enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um... It's, uh, you know, I, I, you like the upside of Darnell Mooney, but uh, he is a number two. And um, I guess the real question is, is there someone in free agency outside of Devontae Adams that you feel is a strong number one? I mean, how? Well, I, I mean, yeah, and I don't t- Devontae Adams is going to be another interesting case, guys, because clearly if if Rodgers, if they want Rodgers to stay in Green Bay, they're going to have to find a way to get him Devontae Adams. And, and, and right now... I don't know how they do. I mean, I, I yeah, agree with you. Just, uh, over the cap. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, the, only, and the only way they get significant cap relief is if, if Rodgers moves. <laughs> so, I, you know, that's the puzzle. So let's assume that Devontae Adams is on the, the open market. He's 30 years old this year, guys. You know, he is he's he is one of the two or three best receivers in the NFL right now. There's no question about that. Um, but look at what happens, you know, to these guys without any real notice. I mean, you know, what happened to A-Rob this year? What happened to Odell Beckham Jr., you know, between New York and Cleveland? I, you know, you can find wide receivers all over the place that, you know, they don't just hit the wall and stop but they start down the backside of that hill and they're suddenly not $18 million a year players, you know? So, I, I mean, Devonte Adams could command $20 million this year, you know, I mean, you know, maybe on a two or three year deal, but that's not what he wants and who's going to give him more than that. So even at the very top of the food chain, th- th- there's going to be issues there. I mean, to me, it makes a lot more sense to tag and trade him than anything else. But I, you know, depending on the t- the deadlines and the cap restrictions, I don't even know if they can tag. They can tag them, but I don't know how they get down to the cap level before they trade them is the problem. 
Yeah, I mean, they're in, they are in cap hell. Um, I was trying to look through their roster last night a little bit um, to see, you know, what potential maneuvers they can make uh, to to really free up a good chunk of cash. And I mean, outside of the, yeah, letting Aaron Rodgers walk um, in some fashion, uh, I couldn't figure it out in a, in a fashion that would allow them to keep both Rodgers and Devontae Adams. Well, and, and Devontae Adams isn't the only free agent they got to deal with. Devondre Campbell, they made the best free agent signing in history on a one-year prove-it deal. Now he's an all-pro at 27, and they got to re-sign him or their defense goes right back to where it was. They had problems at tight end all year last year because Robert Tanyan was hurt after getting, what, 10, 11 touchdowns the year before. Robert Tanyan is a free agent. You got starting guard Lucas Patrick as a free agent with Elton Jenkins coming back off of ACL surgery. They got they got a long list of their own guys that they, that they have to you know consider resigning just to kind of keep this thing intact. And and so, um, you know, uh, oh. apparently. Brian Gutekunst better be better than Aaron Rodgers thought he was. I'm definitely biased here since uh, 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 Robert Tanyan Jr. is a uh, McHenry County kid. But, you know, we're talking about what the Bears need in uh, free agency and, and needing more depth at tight end. Uh, they need a playmaker at tight end. Uh, I think Tanyan showed that in, in Green Bay before the ACL tear. I think he'd look kind of uh, he'd be interested in a Bears uniform. I, I think you're right, and I get the hometown part. The problem is that him and Cole Komet are the same player. Uh, you know, Tanya is not really, even though he's a former, he's a former quarterback, isn't he? Yes, uh, yeah, Indiana State. Yeah, yeah, but he still is more. He, uh, I'm sorry, he wasn't moved, high school. They, they, yeah, and they moved him to wide receiver in, in yeah. college. Right. Yeah. So, to my, I mean, you know, you you can say he's a move tight end. You would think he is with that background, but when you look at his body type and his speed and athletic ability. He, he's not a top-end, you know, you move tight end. He's, he's not a guy you're going to want to line up in the slot a lot or be able to move around the way you could with a Jimmy Graham or, uh, you know, the way they do with guys like Travis Kelsey. I mean, Gronk is a traditional why, and, and, and I think that – I don't know. I, I'd have to go back and watch more tape of Tanya, and I just don't know that him and uh, and, and Komet gives you the, the kind of difference that you get between Komet and Graham which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It'd be nice to see him come home. And the Bears do have some cap space, and they do have a need. So I'm not ruling it out, Kyle. I'm just I, – I don't know that he's the ideal match that I would see with Komet. Yeah, I, I, I get that. I kind of look at it more, and maybe I'm trying to think of the archetype uh, a little bit more, uh, kind of a situation like the Hunter Henry, um, John New Smith pairing yeah. in, in, in New, uh, New England last year. I kind of look at it in that fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, let's see. we got some questions here. we got a question uh, – this happened, I believe, while I was away here, and I don't know much about Brent Salazar, so see if you guys have any thoughts here. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know much about Brent Salazar, but I do know something about the the um, position that they brought him in to fill. And, um, you know, Clyde Emmerich, uh, he, he said, the, uh, they call it the Clyde Emmerich Director of High Performance. It's, it's a job that they've literally named after Clyde. Uh, we called him the legend. He was part of the organization for 50-some years, an Olympic power lifter in the 50s, the guy who brought basically free weight development to the NFL, you know, and, and was still working until a couple of years ago, even as, as cancer started to become difficult in his 90s. Um, and so basically in Brent Salazar, you're, I mean, if you're replacing that job, you're bringing in a weightlifting workout, uh, uh, expert and, and that's fine. I assume Brent Salazar is a good guy for the job. What, what puzzled me a little bit though, Sean, is that I think they retained Matt Nagy's strength and conditioning coach, didn't they? I think that was the only hire from the old staff. I got to go back and look at that. Uh, cause I'm I, drawing a, I believe hub that he has since disappeared off the, uh, the roster of coaches did he okay because i thought i knew that that i saw his name there you know and i didn't know if it was because he was under contract or so if in fact what they're doing is combining that job and making him in essence a strength and conditioning coach then then it is significant because that is a big change but i didn't know if brent salazar was an add-on with this new title that they created uh, or basically that's what they're calling the strength and conditioning. So I'm going to have to do, I'm just being honest. I got to do some more research and look into that before I can really say. Yeah. About- I, I would think that that's what they're calling the strength and conditioning. It was Jason Lascalzo previously. Yeah, and, right. and he is, uh, he is not listed among their coaching staff anymore. Okay. Because you know, on, on the day that they sent the, the, the alert, that yeah. the coaching staff was complete. His name was still his there. His name was still there. You're right. You're right. Um, so, you know, we will have to confirm that for you. Um, but in answer to the question, I mean, 
it's not it's not a coaching group that are well known around the league in terms of good, bad, or indifferent. Um, but it certainly is significant, you know, in terms of keeping a team healthy, keeping them in shape, uh, rehabbing injuries. Uh, uh, he would work hand in hand with the team. Now, the other name that I haven't really looked for one way or the other is Andre Tucker, who, of course, was the team's uh, head trainer and his staff. And so I don't know for sure what they're doing there either. So until we get that whole group complete it's, it's, and, and know uh, if there is a change in approach, it's pretty hard to have any comment on it. All right, let's go over here to Eric Lopez. Hub. Eric uh, wants to know with all the upcoming free agents on the Bears roster, any idea what the potential camp picks they will get? Oh, comp picks. If they, uh, none, uh, Eric. Yeah, that, that's uh, um, first. Well, I should let me rephrase that. This year's free agent list, they will get a comp pick if Allen Robinson signs elsewhere. Um, uh, I'm trying to think if they lost to James Daniels. Uh, or a Bilal Nichols, there's a very good chance that they would get comp picks for them. They're not going to get anything for a Jimmy Graham uh, or a Jesse James. Um, they probably, I shouldn't say, I don't know if they'd get anything for a Tayshawn Gibson or not, but with all these players, while there is the potential to get picks, those would be in the 23 draft, not in the 22 draft. The comp picks come a year later. In this draft, they will have no compensatory picks, or at least that's the strong projection. Um, and, and, and yes, you lost Mitch last year, but it's based on the contracts they signed, and, and Mitch signed a, a backup quarterback contract near the minimum, so that's not going to generate any compensatory picks. What exactly, uh, if you, uh, this is probably a much, um, uh, larger question that we have time for here, but can you give a quick kind of sliding scale for uh, how those picks are determined? You know, it, it, I can't, Kyle, only because it is not a stationary target. <laughs> this is a, <laughs> uh, the compensatory pick thing. There, there's a couple experts out there. The guy that I follow is at overthecap.com, and uh, he's been really good uh, over the years in getting close in his projections of comp picks. And I do know that it is a combination of the contract the player signs, the value of that contract, um, how he produces over his first free agent season. That's why the comp picks don't come until the following year. And there is some kind of uh, sliding scale in comparing them to other players um, and how they performed and where they were drafted. It's a very complicated formula. I don't pretend to understand it. As I say, there are a couple guys out there pretty good at projecting it. And uh, for anybody who wants to go to overthecap.com because their guy does a really nice job of projecting and explaining, and I'm sure could explain it much better than I can. All right. We got a question from Mike Johnson, a pretty simple one here. Any news on Tariq Cohen? Uh, no, and, and and it's not because I'm not trying, guys. <laughs> you know, Sean, I don't know if you're any different. Um, asked the question repeatedly at the end of the season uh, of the old Matt and Ryan. Um, uh, I did ask um, in our in our uh, shorter one on one. I can't remember if it was Ryan or or the new Ryan or Matt that I asked, but I asked them what they knew. Um, and the answer is no. I, I thought it was fascinating that, that uh, Tariq won the team's Ed Block Courage Award, um, which goes to a player who shows great courage in coming back from and overcoming injuries and rehabbing and being a great teammate and a great member of the community. Uh, but I don't think I've ever seen it to a guy who was rehabbing and didn't get back on the field. You know, it just it, it, it's felt kind of strange. I'm happy for him, and I've been involved with the Ed Block people over the years. It's a great cause, and, and, and I'm not saying Tariq's not deserving, um, but we have no more idea today than we did on the first day of training camp, you know, what his status is going to be. Uh, we were never, we asked constantly, uh, we were told he's working hard. We'd see him out there. He looked great. He was definitely, you know, you know, trying to help his teammates out. He was bouncing around the practice field eventually. So, you know, early on we could see he wasn't even moving properly, but you know, why he never got back on the field and whether he will again, Sean, I, it's a bit of a mystery. Yeah, we, we did see him every day. He was out there pretty much every day and, and you know, he helping out where he can. If the quarterbacks needed a stationary target, he would catch the ball and, and do those those, you know, less less movement involved things. But uh, I, I think the Ed Block thing tells you what his teammates think of him, uh, you know, whether he was able to get on the field or not. Um, I. I'm curious to get your opinion on this hub. You know, what do you think the Bears do with him this offseason? Do they have they 
is he simply just a cut candidate or do they do they see how the next six months go in terms of whether he can get back onto the field and and show a little bit of what he used to be? Well, I, you know, you're not in desperate cap space. And, and so you get nothing, you know, if you just cut him. And, and this is a guy who, who's been an all pro, you know, when healthy as a returner, if nothing else. I mean, if Jakeem Grant was under contract, maybe you'd think differently. But Jakeem Grant is a free agent. He's 32 years old. You know, Tariq is what, 25, 26? So, uh, uh, you know, maybe he's 27. I don't, I don't know. It's, uh, and, and, you know, a, a full ACL, which he did have, uh, the, the whole knee was torn up, is a 12- to 18-month injury. It happened week three of the 20 season. They had to wait a couple weeks for the surgery, uh, you know, to let the swelling go down. So it's not, you know, absurd or out of the realm that he would miss the entire following season. It's just that other guys – are, are somehow coming back and rehabbing much quicker, you know, uh, and I guess it just depends on the individual. There was a report um, that he may have needed a cleanup procedure or a follow-up surgery in February of last year. That was never confirmed, and so we don't know if it was, if it did happen, what that surgery was. Um, so, I, I mean, it, it's possible that with one more offseason, he's back and he's the old Tariq Cohn, and and you don't want to give that up for nothing. I, I think if you were really pressed against the cap, you'd have, and I don't know what the cap savings would be. I'd have to look at that. I don't even know if it's a significant cap savings. So um, it's not like your roster is so loaded at the position that you, you know, that you can't afford to keep him around. I can't imagine Damian Williams is going to be back. I, I don't think they're terribly worried whether you know Ryan Nall or Artavis Pierce is back. Um, so. You know, I would think you hang on to him and see if, uh, unless he's a medical reject. If you don't think he's ever going to pass the physical, then it's time to move on and look for another option. That's the real question, right? I mean, you mentioned it early in this conversation, Sean, that early in the season, um, I, I remember back in September, uh, he was still limping on the sideline. I, I think that probably does lend credence. Uh, we don't know. <laughs> this is just speculation that uh, there was, you know, it, there probably was, I shouldn't say probably even. I think there was a potential of a cleanup operation like that for him to still be limping in September and for him to miss the entire season. That that just is really uncharacteristic for an ACL tear uh, at, at this juncture. So it, it becomes, you know, is he is he healthy? I, I I think the cap hit or the cap savings, Sean. I don't know. I think it's it was like five three million, million or something okay. like that. It, so, it wasn't mean, it's, super it's not, huge. It's it's not enough that it's going to stop you from signing the people that you want. I don't think. You know? Yeah, Kyle. The only thing I would add here, just so we're clear, is that if there was a cleanup procedure, it was last February before we saw him again back out on the practice field. So. The fact that he, he wasn't really limping, he just wasn't moving, you know, comfortably or naturally, and that would have been after the cleanup procedure too. Right. That would not have been before, and 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 that if there was a cleanup procedure and he was still having those problems, that would really concern me. Uh, you know, I, again, I'm not comparing me to any of this, but I've had both knees scoped, uh, which a cleanup procedure would almost certainly be a scope, and I, I do know what the rehab from that is now, not. You know, if you're still trying to overcome the prior damage before you went into the scope, but if they did the cleanup procedure in February to see him still not moving naturally by you know June and July, that felt very strange. Again, if there was a cleanup procedure, yeah, that's what I mean. Uh, it just it, it was strange that he was still moving kind of gingerly in in September, whether it was from the original operation or a cleanup, right. All right, let's go over Hairless Yoda and Dennis Lanahan have uh, questions about offensive line and free agency. Who are some offensive line free agents that you could see the Bears potentially targeting? Yoda, it is probably the the second strongest area of free agency beyond wide receiver at the high end. But now you're talking about a bunch of middle-aged guys who you, again, worry about what these contracts are. Um, uh, you, you look at, at a guy like uh, you know Trent Brown, um, who I want to say is about 30, who could get – a, a high-end uh, offensive tackle contract. Um, I want to say, um, uh, I don't have the list in front of me. I, I know Orlando Brown is going to be a free agent. Um, uh, uh, Armstead? Yeah, Armstead. Yeah, Tariq. Armstead. Taron Armstead. Taron Armstead. I wanted to call him Tariq. It's Taron. Taron Armstead is one of the best left tackles in football. He's 31 years old. The Saints are $80 million over the cap. I mean, you you got to believe this guy is going to move. 
Um, uh, but what kind of deal do you give them now? I would I would think it would be a stroke of genius by the Bears to go sign Taron Armstead, move Tevin Jenkins to right tackle where he belongs, move um, uh, Larry Borum inside to right guard, and move James Daniels back to center, and you could be looking at a really high-end offensive line with, with just re-signing one of your own, uh, signing one big free agent, and, and, and really be in good shape. So, so that could be exciting. Uh, if you want a center, Ryan Jensen is out there. He is better than um, Sam Mustafer, but he's not a guy I want to give a $50 million contract to. Um, and I keep getting stuck on the fact that James Daniels, who is a free agent, was the best center draft prospect we had seen in probably 10 years coming out of Iowa and got about a six-game trial <clears throat> Excuse me, at the position with the Bears. And because he was young and wasn't recognizing things and calling signals, they moved him back out to guard. Um, I rely more on my buddy, Olin Krutz, who knows a lot more about being a Pro Bowl center than I do, who has agreed with me from the jump that ceiling-wise and projection-wise with Daniel's tools that he thinks that we, we agree, he probably projects better as a center than a guard. Um, and so that, that would be a way to go. I, I think Larry Borum looked like he had more upside at left tackle than Tevin Jenkins, to be honest with you. So if you're going with the youngsters, I'd rather see Borum on the left and Jenkins uh, on the right. I don't know if they, they agree with that or not, this new regime. But there is also some real high-end talented guard, including Brandon Scherf and Trey Turner. You know, these are, are Andrew Norwell. I mean, these are pro bowlers, all 31, 32 years old. And, and so if you can get them on shorter, you know, two, three, four-year deals, it's exciting. But if you got to do one of these five, six-year deals that you're always, you know, trying to catch up with and never getting the value in the last two or three years, you know, particularly with a new regime coming in here and talking about building through the draft, I think they're probably going to be reluctant, Sean, to make those kind of deals. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't be surprised uh, with everything that we've heard from Ryan Poles, I wouldn't be surprised to see him you know, address the line in, in multiple places. And and yeah, he's a former offensive lineman. He's a general manager now with, with experience evaluating the O-line and, and maybe uh, moving to J- moving James Daniels to center is, is one of those, those moves that he's looking at and, and thinking how could we best uh, maximize the potential of these guys that we have here now. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if they do go out and sign somebody, uh, you know, I, I think, I think that tackle situation that you're talking about hub makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, you could move a guy like Larry Borum to guard and, and have potentially a really good line. Um, I also would expect them to, to look for a lot of depth and, and, you know, maybe use one or two picks on, on some linemen as well. I know they have limited picks, but from what Ryan Poles is saying, you know, he, he understands the importance of having depth on that offensive line because guys are going to get hurt. You know, it's something interesting with the offensive line that I've noticed, and this has uh, some somewhat to do with the cap situation during these last two COVID years, um, or particularly last year, was we saw a, a fair amount of veteran offensive tackles kind of linger in free agency. Um, so I, I think there's the potential, if we see something like that again, where the Bears maybe hold off on that first run of guys and wait to see what kind of, you know, if they can get one of those older veterans on, on a one, two, or three-year deal. Well, and the guy you know you could probably get on a one-year deal is Jason Peters. And at 40, it sounds nuts, but he was playing really well the second I, half of the season. And, I, I'm, I'm still absolutely stunned by how well he played uh, with this no, year. No off-season, no training yeah. camp. You know, a guy comes in like a, a man 340 pounds like that, you know, who, who looks like he's never been in shape. Believe me, he has been. He's, he's going to the Hall of Fame. But, you know, guys, part, part of the issue with this, and, and this is not a cop-out. This is just timing and time of the year. We are going to get uh, another visit with both Ryan Poles and, and um, uh, Matt Eberflus the week after next at the Combine in Indianapolis. It will be, uh, a, it'll be in person, you know, w- which will be nice. And, and, I, and I think it'll be in a larger group, more traditional presser setting. We'll learn some more. Um, if there are owners' meetings, that's where you really get a chance to sit down with these guys for some extended time and go on and off the record. And that's where you get a chance to start to know them a little bit. But you look at, at two moves that were made this week, and, and I don't know what to make of them, but um, they signed long snapper Bo Brinkley and punter Ryan Winslow. Now, you know, both Patrick O'Donnell, who's been with the team, what, eight, nine years now, and is a good but not great punter, but has improved every year as a bear. And Patrick Scales, who I believe initially took over from Pat Manley, uh, are both free agents. 
does this mean that they're moving on? I, I mean, you know, Winslow has never really been an NFL punter. He started as an undrafted rookie free agent with the Bears. He, he may have kicked in a couple games over the last few years, but he's not an established punter. Brinkley, on the other hand, he is an established long snapper. He's done it in the league for a couple teams over five, six years. Um, but you see moves like this, and is it just do they hope to bring back you know O'Donnell and Scales too? And is this camp competition, which would not be unusual, would be wise? Or are, are O'Donnell and, and Scales not coming back for reasons you know, that, 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 that the new uh, personnel evaluators are in charge of? And, Sean, this is the stuff that we just have to let play out a little bit before we have a better sense of what the plan is. Yeah, it's hard to know what those moves <laughs> signify. And, and you're certainly right um, about the punter. He doesn't have a, a ton of NFL experience, and uh, certainly O'Donnell does. And, and, you know, sure, he could improve in certain areas, but he's he's generally pretty good at, at what he does. Um, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe they maybe they are looking at going in a new direction at those positions. And, uh, you know, those guys are – both of them are going to be free agents, aren't they, O'Donnell? And, they are free uh, agents, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so – I mean, you know, Brinkley has 138 NFL games. Winslow has six. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's that's the I mean what do they know about uh Winslow that the other three teams he's been with didn't like uh, you know that that's where and by the way he may be the next pro bowl punter I'm not criticizing the move we we just don't know you know how Ryan Poles and his staff are approaching this is the point I didn't expect some punter talks today yeah. <laughs> not, not a lot of uh, time spent on punters usually I like it um yeah I have no idea what the plan is there I mean it's not like signing Patrick O'Donnell is going to hit uh, be a big cap hit either I don't you know how how many punters really uh you know dingy against the cap in the league right now you know I, I guess this is what's part of that guess this is part of what's exciting about starting over with the new regime particularly Ryan Poles this guy's been a personnel director in Kansas City I mean he's been he's been working this for the last 10 11 years he has a pretty good handle I assume and if not he brought in Ian Cunningham to to, to help him who also has a pretty good handle I assume on the talent around the league you know they had already done their preparation, their their in season preparation for the draft this year in Kansas City and Philadelphia. So, I mean, it's not like these guys are coming from college or they're novices. They've never done this before. So, when they sign a a you know a, a Brinkley or a Winslow, I, I I take it seriously, but I don't know if it's if it's for competition or, or if it's tryout players or if they think that they've now got their new long snapper and punter. That's what we have to wait and see. And and maybe it's just a message that, hey, nobody's, you know, everybody has to prove themselves, even our longest tenured players, because uh, uh, Scales is the longest tenured bear, is he not, Hub? Um, I think it might have been O'Donnell. It, it, it O'Donnell? Think, yeah, well, O'Donnell's been here longer than Scales, and I'm trying to think. Uh, yeah, Sherrick McManus didn't make it back this year. Um, so I think it would have been Patrick O'Donnell. I, I do believe that uh, Kyle is right about that, or or may still be Patrick O'Donnell. Um, and the other thing of note, guys, uh, and, and this is not really relevant to how good or bad the Bears are going to be, but it does become an issue. Uh, Patrick O'Donnell is the Bears player rep. And um, I, I, I know that he's not a, a rabble rouser or a radical or, or, or somebody who gets overly involved. Um, but whenever player reps are in, je- in jeopardy, you keep an eye on that too, because it does have a ripple effect, uh, you know, in the locker room and with the team. All right, let's head over to Brian Lingren here, huh? <clears throat> Brian, I apologize. I'm trying not to clear my throat into the mic, but it's tricky sometimes on these things. Uh, I have a little throat problem this morning. What is the logical timeline to have an answer on Aaron Rodgers by the draft in order to trade picks? Um, you know, Brian, um, the lo- I don't know if there's a logical timeline. Um, I think there's, you know, ideal and not so ideal. Uh, Rodgers has indicated that he doesn't want to drag it out because he doesn't want the team to suffer. Um, you know, have no reason to doubt him on that other than the fact that he dragged it out throughout the entire offseason last year and didn't care if the team suffered. Um, so, you know, I guess we have to wait and see. The team has already said what they want. You know, everybody who can speak has spoken. Mark Murphy, the president of the team, uh, Brian Gutekus, the general manager, Matt LaFleur, the head coach, they've said, we want Aaron Rodgers here. We want him back. So it isn't a question of what the Packers want to do. It's a question of what Rodgers wants to do. And, um, you know, I I can't pretend to know what he's thinking. Uh, uh, Contrary to what some people want to believe, uh, 
Uh, I don't even know what his political views are. I, I don't know what goes on inside Aaron Rodgers' head. Um, uh, I don't know. You know, I, Sean, I, I wish I had a better answer, but um, I will tell you that that I think where you were going with this, maybe I should try answering your question because I think I know what you're asking. For the Packers, yes, ideally, you know, for anybody, it, it, it's before the draft because you want those picks this year or a pick this year. You're going to get multiple picks. And if you're going to be without Rodgers on your roster this year, you want one of those first round picks this year. So from the team perspective, you, you, you'd almost, you, you know, you, you would, if Rogers is genuine, he doesn't want to hurt the team. He should make it happen before the draft. If he's leaving, if he's staying, I guess it doesn't matter. Um, but the, the team has already said where they're at. They have no control over this. This is in Aaron Rodgers' hands now, and hopefully he won't drag it out this year the way he did last year. Yeah, I think one other date to watch too is um, that franchise tag deadline. You know, we're talking about we were talking earlier about Devontae Adams and and Rodgers and, and and you know how they sort of uh, coexist in this offseason. And certainly, if you're the Packers, you would want to know who your quarterback's going to be by that deadline, which is March eighth this year. Um, but before you know what you're going to do with with Devontae Adams, but but who knows if if Rodgers is is thinking that way. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a great point, Sean. I, I, they certainly can retain Adams without tagging him, and if they don't, he's not gone, you know, on March eighth. But that shows that they they've protected themselves either way, and it does send a powerful message to Rogers. So in that point case, you're absolutely right. Of course, the problem is that once you tag him, um, I, I guess you can rescind those tags too. Um, uh, but I'm not sure what the deadline is on that. Um, so that's something we'll look into and have an answer next week. I think the deadline is usually, uh, is it June? Well, the, uh, there's, there's two, there's a deadline to sign the, the to, to accept the tag. Okay. Um, uh, and there's I, a separate for when you can rescind yeah, it. But I, I, I don't know about rescinding them. I know you can, but I think it may be even earlier than that. I, I don't know. We got to look into that to get the information. I apologize. If Aaron, if Aaron, if Aaron Rodgers isn't in back in Green Bay, I, I don't expect Green Bay to go the free agency route for a quarterback. I think they'll probably give Jordan Love a year. But uh, if Aaron Rodgers isn't back, they certainly would want to know before the draft one so they can get the draft pick. But I would assume they probably wouldn't spend a first rounder on a quarterback, but I could see them spending a, a day two pick on a quarterback because I, I, I don't know about you guys. I, I they <laughs> very small sample size. We saw Jordan Love live uh, in, in game action. It didn't go well. I don't know if they view him quite as uh, highly as they did when they drafted him. Yeah, I mean, Kyle, I think that's more than fair. But the flip side of that issue is that not only do you use a first-round pick to take him, you trade it up to get that first-round pick. Yeah, so you have yeah. multiple assets involved. He's only this is his second year. He's had one start, um, and and if they are ready now to use a first-round draft pick again on a quarterback, then that's an admission of one of the great failures of all time. You know? That's what I'm saying. I don't. Yeah. I think Jordan Love would be their first choice. Give him a chance. But I do yeah. think that I think they they draft a quarterback. Yeah. Like I said, second, third, maybe fourth round. Someone that you know, if Jordan Love does fall flat on his face, that they can say, okay, we have a backup plan to try and to develop. I think they have to do what the Bears did last year with Dalton, only do it better. I mean, you're in the same boat, really. You have to bring in a veteran who, who can start if Love can't, you know, because you're the number, you're the defending number one seed in the NFC. And, you know, we have lived for the last decade, it seems, on this premise that the Packers are a mediocre football team without Aaron Rodgers. When you look at this year's Pro Bowl selections, when you look at this year's All-Pro roster, when you look at the Packers' record this year, it argues that that may not necessarily be true. It's, he is not the only talent on the team. Now, I'm one who's advanced that theory, so I'm not you know, criticizing anybody else for believing that. But if Rodgers is gone, the idea that the Packers curl up in a ball and die is ridiculous. I mean, there, there is talent on that football team. And if love is not the answer, but you get another veteran quarterback who is capable of winning games, uh, you know, they, they're going to try and continue to contend and compete while they look for the next Rodgers. So uh, I would think that they would do both if Rodgers isn't back. I would think they'd bring in a veteran and draft one and 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 hope that Jordan Love, you know, people have forgotten because it was, what, uh, 15 years ago, Aaron Rodgers spent three years on the bench, you know, before he became a starter and, and was pretty bad the first half of that first season. So um, I'm sure they're going to give Love a shot but before they decide to write off that experiment. So quickly to wrap up Aaron Rodgers' talk too here, uh, what if if he's not back in Green Bay, 
where would you put kind of if you could rank maybe the top spot you think he could land? Um, well, you know, you look at the teams that are quarterback needy. I think everybody's already got him in Denver. Um, Denver and, and Tampa, right? Well, yeah, and I'm not sure why Denver, other than it's closer to California, or, or you know, I, I, again, there, there's this perception that we know Aaron Rodgers and and you know what he wants and what he's looking for lifestyle wise. I don't know, you know, I'm, I don't know if Denver appeals to him or not, you know. Um, uh, Tampa has another issue though in that they are about even with the cap, but they have more starting players who are free agents than any other team in the league. And, and even if they got Rodgers, they're going to have a hard time keeping the core of that group together. Um, Pittsburgh is is absolutely needy at quarterback. Washington has got to find a, a, a quarterback. We don't know what the Russell Wilson situation is in Seattle. I, I, guys, I have felt from the beginning that if something were going to happen here, the thing that made the most sense was a straight-up swap of Rodgers for Wilson, and then you supplement with draft picks one way or the other if you have to. You know, I mean, Rodgers is worth more than Wilson, but Wilson is, is what, four or five years younger. Um, uh, you, you know, and, and again, Rodgers can try and control this. He can refuse to report to Seattle, but, but would he? I don't know. You know, would Wilson, Wilson allegedly gave the four teams he wanted to go to last year. I, yeah. I don't think Green Bay was one of them, were they? I know the Bears were, but I don't, I don't think, think so. They, yeah. I mean, would he go back? Would he go to Green Bay? I, he played at Wisconsin, you know, I, um, I mean, if you want to talk logical to me, if, if teams are going to do this, that's the one that makes the most sense. Am I, would it be insane to think that San Francisco could make a play? Like if they decide, okay, we're going to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo. Could they, could a, a, a Trey Lance, package you know i don't know if john lynch would consider something like that but if they said this is our window now we don't want to you know worry about the upside of a young quarterback let's go get aaron Rodgers and give ourselves a two-year window do you think they'd do something like that i would certainly hope not i mean you know they, they spent three first round picks on trey lance and he hasn't played yet and, and by the way and, and when he was forced into duty he was better yeah, I think it would be insane too. I, I do think that we've, we've seen teams act a little more aggressively in terms of when they feel they have that window open. It's the only reason I brought it up. Yeah, but you know, Kyle, I think more to the point, and people miss this, the only reason to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo is Trey Lance. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo, he, he's, one of the, he's got one of the best records of starting quarterbacks in the NFL. And oh, by the way, he just beat Aaron Rodgers and the Packers in Lambeau for, you know, to go to the... The, the, the title game. So I, I, no, I can't imagine that. I get why you'd ask it, but no, I can't really. Yeah. I'm looking for fun out, outside of that. I think that Aaron Rodgers in a, a Niners uniform on that roster would be a lot of fun. I, I guess I'm just, I'm hoping beyond hope. Just, I, I enjoy, uh, enjoy good football situation. Well, I, I mean, one of the few things we do know about him personally is that that's the team he grew up cheering for. That's where he's from. You know? Yeah. I mean that we know he'd like to go there, but I just, you know, I would think it would be the Packers that would have to be thrown in first-round picks to make that deal. I, I don't know how else that makes sense. You know, now, if if they like Trey Lance enough, you know, he's worth, you know, probably first-round picks. Now you're, you're writing off, uh, um, you know, what's his name, Jordan Love. But but at this point, boy, there's a lot of wasted resources in there going both ways. So it'd be, it'd be interesting, though. It'd be a story. We'd have at least three, four columns out of it if they yeah. do it. Hey, that's what we need in the offseason. Give us stuff to write about. All right. Uh, we're running here at an hour. We got one more question from eight hour vibes and it's a pretty good place for us to end here. Um, uh, here you go, hub eight hour vibes wants to know if Ryan Poles decides to trade players for draft picks, who do you think is the most tradable? Um, well, you know, um, certainly David Montgomery and Darnell Mooney are tradable, but, but what they're going to bring in return is going to be probably multiple lower day two or even day three picks. Um, if you're talking about getting some, are you looking for somebody you get a first round pick for? Um, I don't think I, they have anyone do that. No, I, I would think you'd get Maybe one. Mac. You'd get one for Khalil Mack. You know, it'd be somebody you know who, who wants to win now. Um, you probably could get a maybe a one and a three, maybe for Khalil Mack, because you uh, you know, plus you get rid of that contract. Um, you know, Robert Quinn. Maybe you get a two. You know, more likely you get a couple threes. Um, Eddie Jackson. Maybe you get a three. 
uh, you're not dealing Jalen. I would hope you're not dealing Jalen Johnson. You're not dealing Roquan Smith. Um, uh, that's about it. You, you know, you, you don't have a lot to offer in the trade market. The only blockbuster deal is Justin Fields. And, and um, I, I wouldn't do that knowing what the quarterback class looks like this year. Um, uh, and, and there's nothing in free agency. And I still believe, you know, in Justin Fields as a prospect. But if you're looking to make a big move, that's probably the only one you can make. I don't know, guys. Am I missing somebody? No, I don't think so. I'm, I'm looking over the uh, the Bears on over the cap right now. And, and yeah, those are the names that jump out. I mean, I think Eddie Goldman is probably going to be a cap casualty. I, I suppose. I mean, but but he's not a he's not a cap killer. I, you know, you might be able to get a a fourth or fifth round pick for him. Um, yeah, maybe Eddie Goldman. I don't know what you could get for Nick Foles, but then you need a backup quarterback too. Yeah, I don't think you can get anything for Nick Foles. I don't think you get anything. The perception is you're going to cut him. You know, I mean, and, I mean, typically when you're talking a uh, high draft pick, we're looking at what quarterback, wide receiver, offensive tackle, edge rusher, edge rusher. Yeah, that's why Khalil yeah. Mack. I mean, you know, well, yeah. look, hey, Von Miller at 33 and a free agent. Denver just got a two and a three because the Rams wanted to win now. So you've got Cleo Mack just turning 31 and under contract for a few more years. And, and once you get that contract, you could massage it so you can make it let more cap friendly for you. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you can get a one for Cleo Mack. But, but is that one going to give you the same value as Cleo Mack, you know, over, over the next two or three years? That's the evaluation you have to make there. Um, it does clear some cap space. Now, when I asked Alan Williams you know, how exciting it was to know he's converting this 3-4 to a 4-3, and he has Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn as his two down ends, you know, he he, he was practically turning somersaults. I, I mean, to, to run – Khalil Mack is an all-pro at defensive end. This perception that they're switching to the 4-3 and it doesn't – that's not true. I mean, he was an all-pro in Oakland playing with a hand on the ground. He can do either, you know, and so – um, this gets to this key question, guys, of how competitive they expect to be this year. And I guess this is a good place to wrap up this week because, you know, Sean, I asked the question, other people asked the questions. Every time we asked it, we've gotten the same answer from both Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus. They want to try and win a Super Bowl this year. You know, they didn't say they're going to be able to, you know, they, they, but they said we expect to attack this and try and win games immediately and to quote uh, Ryan Poles, we want to take the NFC North and not give it back. And he didn't say in two or three years, you know. So um, now that doesn't mean that his approach to doing that won't be going young. But but man, you know, I don't know how you're going to be as competitive with whatever you get for Khalil Mack as as having him at least for the next year or two. No, I, I would flat out be shocked if they if they made a move like that. I mean, I I really just don't see that. And and you're right, they're they're you know, Alan Williams is is super excited to get to work with these guys, and and that's part of part of the reason why this is such an appealing job because of uh, guys like Khalil Mack and, and some of those pieces on the defense, uh, you know, that really it, it won't take all that much, uh, you know, it, it won't take a, a Herculean effort to get this defense back, in, you know, into uh, uh, top shape. You know, Kyle, basically the, the fact that, that Roquan Smith isn't a, an all pro and pro bowler is ludicrous. He was a second team all pro uh, last year. I don't know if he was this year or not. Um, but when you look at having all pros and Robert Quinn, Khalil Mack, and Roquan Smith and Eddie Jackson, I realize they're not today. They may not have been in 2021, but you know you have that kind of ability and reason to believe that every one of them can still play at their peak. You've got the nucleus. You, you can build a pretty good defense pretty fast. And, and, and my guess is that that's what they're thinking about doing. You know, uh, Dave Wanstead, uh, uh, who's my buddy, co-hosts our Pro Football Weekly TV show, and, of course, former head coach of the Bears, the Dolphins, University of Pittsburgh, he made the point that when you are trying to develop a young quarterback and a good offense, the last thing you want to do is strangle them with a leaky defense. You know, and, and one of the best assets to do that is to have a defense that keeps you competitive. So my best guess is that that's Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus's plan, but that's just my best guess. I agree with you. Uh, the defense is, is ready to win now. Uh, you have a quarterback that you drafted highly on his rookie contract. We saw, um, you know, when you get the QB position right, we saw it with the Bengals. I mean, Joe Burrow was sacked 70 times, and they were in the Super Bowl and nearly won the game. Uh, if Justin Fields progresses and you have that defense built on the other side, uh, this team is a team that can compete quickly. So, 
I don't know if that's going to happen, but that's definitely the way I expect the Bears to approach it, which means I don't expect them to trade someone like Khalil Mack. I think they're going to go into this with the cap space that they have and say we're going to try and win this year. Well, and just to go a step further, guys, there there are two moves that I think they're going to make, uh, which are on Eddie Goldman and Danny Trevathan, because uh, I just I think Danny is probably again a medical. You know, I'd love to have him back for his leadership his ability when he's right but we've seen the problems now those two moves uh done post june one i believe clear another 11 11 and a half million in cap space so yep. you know you've got 48 players under contract now you only have to have 51 to qualify for the cap that's who gets measured against the cap they've got about 25 million in cap space they can get to 35 or 37 fairly painlessly and that's enough money to be able to maneuver and do what they want to do the, the, the unfortunate part is that they've only got five picks this year, five draft picks. They've got their two, their three, two fives, and a six. And, and even though you don't value the five, six, sevens as much as you do the other picks, only having five choices does handicap you a little bit. But at some point, you got to bite the bullet and live with it because now next year you're back to a full complement again, plus the cap gets better. And, and you're continuing to to evolve your your situation. So at any rate, guys, we are out of time. It is good to be back together uh, again this week. We will be back again next Friday at 930. And as a matter of fact, in two weeks, Sean and I will be back fresh from the Combine. So uh, lots of development, lots of good stuff coming. A lot of news is going to start to break. The best place to get it is at shawlocal.com for our NFL analysis and our Bears Insider reporting. Again, if you're listening as a podcast and you enjoyed it but you want to join it you think we need more questions better questions please join us every friday morning chicago time 9 30 live all you have to do is go to at kyle neighbors on twitter go to at sean underscore hammond go to at hub underscore arkish it'll get you right into our live recording of these podcasts and we will be able to take your questions and try and answer them uh, also get to shawlocal.com to see all of our coverage we are 365 24 7 so thanks for being with us today and I uh, hope you have a great weekend, uh, or depending on when you're listening to this, and, and we will visit with you again next Friday.